someone asked me how this Christmas is different than prior Christmases in light of the firestorm that our community has experienced. And I didn't hesitate in saying that I think we're appreciating the intangible gifts that each of us have come to embrace and appreciate and value more than anything physical that we might receive or give. In particular, the intangible gift of hope was something I wished for you this Christmas. As Laurel said it, to get a grip on hope and not let go so that you feel that grip as tightly from the other end as you feel it on your end. The passage I'm about to read is brimming with hope. First, it gives us a picture of hope and then a feeling of hope and finally a reason for hope. Hear these words from Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as people exult in their dividing plunder. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, it's, it's dark out there where I'm looking. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because... I won't see them, and the person, you might not want the person next to you to see them. But who of us doesn't have some fear of the dark, some sense of anxiety associated with the dark? Once the lights go out, we lose our ability to make sense of our surroundings. A feeling of being vulnerable and defenseless leads us to be suspicious of unsuspected sounds. Whenever people in my household are gone and I'm the only one in the house and it's dark, I hear a sound and go, what was that? Our experience in this regard is very similar to that of Laszlo, the little boy in Lemony Snicket's picture book called The Dark, illustrated by John Clapton. There's Laszlo. You may not be able to see him from where you are, but trust me, he's there. There's Laszlo. So Laszlo is at the foot of the stairs, and he's opened the door. There's a little bit of light behind him, but he sees nothing but dark down there. Laszlo is afraid of the dark. The dark lives in the same house as Laszlo. Sometimes the dark hid in the closet. Sometimes it sat behind the shower curtain. 
but mostly the dark senseless time in the basement. Laszlo hoped the dark wouldn't come into his room, but it did. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the story for you. You have to find out how Laszlo is able to overcome his fear of the dark. I'll give you a hint a little later in the sermon, though. Isaiah described the people of his day who had been evacuated from their homes and homelands as now being in the dark. They had been relocated to a foreign land with unfamiliar customs and routines with unusual foods that they weren't used to eating and an uncertain future. Everything was different and uncomfortable for them. Like living in the dark, they experienced a loss of orientation and security. Such vulnerability gives rise to feelings of anxiety. Darkness for us is not all that different. We may fear terrorism, unexplained mass shootings, global warming, resulting in fires, earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding, financial instability, questioning whether our money will last as long as we will, government corruption, harassment issues of gender, sexual identity, and race, widening gaps between the haves and the have-nots, such that those who struggle to make ends meet find themselves by no choice of their own as homeless. Nothing dispels fear better than light. And there's the hint of Laszlo's resolve of fear of the dark. As light goes up, our fears go down. What once overwhelmed us now dissolves in the presence of light. And this is how Isaiah gave his message of hope. He pictured it as the coming of a great light. Because darkness and fears associated with it are soon to come to an end. And he goes on to say that the result of all of this is a feeling of joy. That same feeling you have when harvest comes. A feeling of unrivaled satisfaction and blessing that seems to say that all the waiting, all the toil, all the struggle was worth it. But also the great awareness that this is a result of not all of our effort, but something on the part of God. We receive harvest as a blessing and as a gift from God. God's people had borne a heavy burden, had felt the pangs of oppression and mistreatment, but that time is now over. Change is on its way, and change for the better brings with it an immense sense of relief and gratitude, of long-awaited joy. Well, the cause, the cause and reason behind the appearance of this light and its corresponding blessings of hope and joy is the coming of God's messianic king. The anguish people had suffered is not forever. History belongs to God. The future belongs to God. Things can and will turn around. God's promise to send one who will sit on David's throne and rule 
will mean justice where he will rule with um, will mean change for our world. Pardon me. And unlike any rule before him, this king's rule will be marked by justice, power, compassion, peace. The rule of his kingdom and its influence will be universal and peace that he establishes will be without end. Because this king's reign will not be measured in terms of enlarged borders or invincible armies or thriving trade, but the realization that justice and righteousness are the rule of the day have become a way of life for all. Isaiah's word had a two-stage fulfillment. He combined his picture of hope and light with the birth of what we now know to be the Christ child. And such news at that time is celebrated with joy. But the hope of what he will accomplish must await a future fulfillment. Hope is the pull of a promise that carries us confidently into the future. It's all about trusting God to be faithful and true to his word, just as you heard Laurel describe it in her own life. Those who heard Isaiah's word and responded with faith found themselves lifted and carried by such hope. But in the same way people once celebrated the arrival of this baby as the promise of change for the world, they had to wait another 30 years for that change to be realized. So our world today lives with the tension of what Jesus' first coming has brought and what his second coming will finalize. Jesus' entire life, teaching, death, and resurrection confirm the truth of who he is and what he accomplished for us and for our salvation. All who put their faith in him are carried by such hope. And yet our world still awaits his rule and his influence to become universal and final. For peace to reach every corner of our globe so that it's not just peace for me or for you until it's also peace for those who count us as their enemies. For wrongs to be made right in every realm of existence so that justice isn't just for those who can pay for it, it's for everyone who needs it. For us to love God with all that we are and all that we have and to love each other the same way. All who believe that that is the essence of Jesus' coming as God with us have learned to live according to this rule of life and see it as our world's destiny. For those who keep their distance or refuse to follow, it may take Jesus' coming again before they believe he alone is Lord of all and our rightful king. The song we're about to hear follows, continues this theme of calling us to hope in God, as if Jesus himself is extending that call to us personally. May that, may its, its playing and singing that we join in Encourage us all to get a grip on hope for the world. 